Hi, it's Adrian here. I'm joined by Andrew again, and we're having another sort of in-depth chat about the cost of poor quality. And Andrew, you gave me quite an interesting phrase. You said something that engineers often say is pay me now or pay me later. So yeah, I kind of want to I, I kind of want to discuss around this phrase and get an understanding of what the difference is between paying now or paying later. Yeah, Adrian, thanks for having me again. Yeah, this is a very important and interesting topic among quality and uh, reliability professionals. Uh, this is one of the mm. arguments that always happens among engineers, you know, the yeah, and the managers who don't want to spend the uh, the money and and the funding for hiring more reliability engineers, quality inspectors, and or test equipment to be able to uh, do these tasks so that the product will be more reliable. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, so let's get into the meat of this then and start by talking about what that phrase really means. Yeah, that sounds good. When we talk about pay me now or pay me later, people have different kind of expectation of what that may mean. Typically in quality engineering, it means spend some money now for improving quality and improving reliability of the product. Then you save money at the end and you don't have to spend money post-production mm. and what it means pay me now or pay me later if you don't pay me now that means if you don't spend enough adequate amount of um, funding on improving quality and reliability of the product then you end up spending money on improving the returned product from the field and that is not a good thing most of the time the pay me later is much more than the pay me now mm. so that is the phrase that is very common among quality and reliability folks in terms of um, you know how to deal with certain types of management who don't have uh, quality or reliability mindset and they're more driven by uh, being in the market first uh, rushing the project uh, and uh, cutting costs and cutting corners on on quality and reliability and testing and the result usually is that they end up spending a lot more money in terms of field returns. Now, you might say, why the cost of poor quality? Why is this important? Well, the first thing is that anytime you are spending money on improving the quality or reliability of the product, there is definitely money coming out of the bottom line that may not be in the best interest of the management who need to support this agenda. 
and on the other hand, if you don't spend the money at the beginning of the development in order to improve the quality of the products, what you can expect ultimately is that most likely your product will not meet the end user customer and or the life expectancy that was intended to and or the quality of the user experience. Anyway, in many ways, you will find some sorts of quality issues that will result in either high return rate and or in some cases, as you know, a recall. And a recall, of course, is the ultimate uh, pay me later. Hmm. So if we had to have a way of understanding how to deal with cost of quality, then I would say we could turn that into two categories. One would be cost of good quality. And of course, the other one would be the cost of poor quality. In terms of cost of good quality, you typically have two scenarios. One is how can we prevent failures uh, from happening? And that's typically called prevention cost because there's some cost involved with that. This is the pay me now type of uh, you know, element. And the other one is appraisal cost. This is more mm. of like inspection cost. And again, there is a cost involved in inspecting, testing, and evaluating designs, components, materials, and product. And all of that cost is really is cost of good quality. There is a cost, of course. But if you don't take care of this part, then there is a cost of poor quality, which is typically much more than the cost of good quality. And when it comes to cost of poor quality, we have internal failures, things that are failing before you even ship the product. And then you've got external failures. These are failures and high return rate and that are happening outside the company once you have shipped the product. So you might say, well, how do we deal with this? Well, let's go through every one of these things and, and kind of understand what each mean. Hmm. Prevention costs. These are costs have to do with planning for quality, trying to have a standardized process, training your staff and your manufacturing operators, for example, conducting quality audits of your suppliers, making sure your suppliers are capable and understand quality and they're producing high quality materials and components. And then of course, doing the market research, you know, Designing and building a product that results in customer satisfaction. 
and there's a market for it. And of course, process capability analysis. It's very, very important that you have a prevention, prevention method, methodology or processes in place within the company, within your corporation to check and operate within the quality target and reliability and testing target. If you don't have these, it almost seems like you have a chaos scenario in your in your company, whether it's manufacturing or development. It's a situation where there are no rules, no policies, no laws, and people are just doing things however they want. And that mm -hmm. just doesn't succeed. So prevention costs has a lot to do with quality and reliability and testing policies and how you think of quality when it comes to designing your product, manufacturing your product, how you work together and just overall making a better product, the mm. quality mindset. But then next we need to talk about and discuss what is appraisal cost. In short, appraisal costs are related to inspection and evaluation costs of either component, processes, design, and so on. And these could be examples of these could be for example, IQC, these are incoming quality inspections uh, where you're trying to control the quality of the parts, materials, and components coming into the factory. You don't want any of the no good parts to be mixed with manufacturing uh, good parts. That would mm -hmm. be disaster. So this department incoming basically uh, quality control IQC acts like a policing of materials that they come from outside. They all need to meet a certain kind of specification and performance requirement before they're allowed to be used in manufacturing or design environment. And then, of course, there is another one called in-process inspection. This is very important because if you are, a, let's say, assembling uh, a very complicated product, you know, that has many pieces to it, and uh, you don't test and inspect as you go along, then there's always a good chance that at the end of the line, the product is not going to function or is not going to have, or is going to have all, all sorts of failures and, and um, defects. So to prevent that, uh, typically there is a inline, uh, in the assembly line, a certain inspection it starts really uh, operator inspection. That, that means each operator who is actually assembling a module, he also, he or she is 
responsible for also actually testing and inspecting, making sure what he or she put together is actually function as it should before it mm -hmm. passes on to the next person who will add other components to it. Okay. So for example, if there's a switch, uh, then, you know, you put the switch where you're supposed to install it. Then there's a little jig that says, okay, check the switch. Is it working or not? Mm -hmm. And the jig will say, okay, it's passed and you pass it on. That system is uh, basically in the process of building the product inspection. They call it in-process inspection. Very important process, actually. And then, of course, you know, you are in design and development. You need new components for your uh, product that you are designing. And you need to find uh, quality suppliers out there. Well, what do you do? Do you just go uh, to one of the small, you know, online shops and just pick a component and use it on your design? Well, maybe for prototype, it might be okay. But for mass production, that's not the way to go. You need mm. to find a quality supplier you need to do supplier evaluation and inspection and supplier audit. You literally need to go and visit the supplier facility and go through the audit process, which is a very complicated process, depending on what you're auditing for. You could do an ISO audit. It could be a design-related audit. It could be a manufacturing audit. So the objectives of the audit matters. But in any case, what you're trying to get out of the audit process or inspection, supplier inspection process, is that you want to know if the supplier is capable of designing and manufacturing high quality, high reliability components adequate within your specification for your design. So once you find such suppliers, the next step is to approve these suppliers and set a guideline for these suppliers so they understand what your specification requirements are and set some rules within the contract that protects you in case um, knowingly or unknowingly supplier had some massive failures that will protect you from uh, a financial disaster. Next item, of course, in uh, appraisal cost is, uh, for example, reliability testing, compliance testing, laboratory testing. All of these are very, very important processes to figure out if you the product that you have designed is actually meeting the required um, you know, specification for either uh, meeting the customer or the um, uh, end user requirements. And finally, of course, once you have built the product through the assembly line, and they are ready to be shipped 
to final destination or to the customer. There need to be a, a process. They call it final good, goods inspection. Typically, it's an AQL uh, process that helps figure out if they were uh, in, within the random inspection, if there were found any non-conformancies that could uh, result in rejecting the whole lot and not shipping the product. And of course, every time you're not shipping the product, you're not making any money. So it is very important to have this uh, final inspection right as soon as the production has concluded on that assembly line. Now, the mm. other thing that you need to do is, you know, you're building, you have all these equipments, uh, lab equipments, test equipments, manufacturing equipment, all of these need to be within calibration. Just imagine if you trusted a network analyzer and you're designing a, uh, you know, a circuit diagram and you tested it with, faulty network analyzer well what do you think is going to happen you're gonna uh, ship this product thinking that yeah everything is good or you're gonna build uh, several of these boards with this design and nothing is gonna work because the uh, calibration was out of date on the equipment and what you got mm -hmm. was out of tolerance measurements that are not good uh, out of spec for your design and yes, it can definitely throw a big wrench within the design team. So not the only design team, but also manufacturing. So it's really critical that all test equipments, all kinds of manufacturing equipment, they're all the calibration should be up to date is the terminology. Up to date calibration. In fact, this is one of the most important things that when you are doing manufacturing audit or ISO auditors really nail this every time. They always look for an equipment out of calibration. So that was the two terminologies under cost of good quality, which was prevention cost and appraisal cost. Now we move into cost of poor quality. Well, one of the elements is internal failures, meaning that within your company, there are failures and those failures have costs associated with it. Every time there is, for example, a rework, you know, failure happens, they have to go to a rework department in, in manufacturing and they have to rework these boards and PCBs. And every time they do that, several of them can't be reworked and they basically scrapped. That is money down the drain. And same thing with PCBs and boards or products that are returned from the field, from the customer, dissatisfied and waiting for their product to be uh, refurbished and repaired and returned back to the customer. This is huge cost because more often bad products actually fail before their uh, warranty period ends. 
So who pays the cost for that warranty? The manufacturer, the product owner. And so it's, it's very important that you make a product that at least lasts longer than the warranty period, hmm. you know, typically a year. And then, as, as I mentioned, internal scrap rates. I was working for a company once that there was a whole room full of scraps. And each one of those cost over $500. So you can just imagine how much money was being wasted. Then you have to have particular test equipment and team of test engineers who have to retest these returned products because it depends on the volume returning. You may end up having a whole facility, whole building that actually has to do repairs and triage on the returns. Uh, worked for a mobile phone company way, way, way back that had so many returns that actually had, we're talking a $1 billion facility that they were losing and they were taking care of over 1 million phones that were telephones that were returning from field. And, you know, the cost of operating that kind of facility is enormous and it's really not worth how, what if, what if you just take all that cost, put it up front, pay me now and you make a better product. Mm -hmm. So then of course, you know, it, when there are these returns come in, and you've done the, re the triage on them. Some of those have to go to engineering. They have to do uh, testing and failure and analysis. And then some of them have to go back to suppliers. They have to go through understanding what happened with, for example, covers, materials breaking or cracking. They have to do raw material uh, analysis and or maybe redo those uh, raw materials, come back uh, with a new mold and new parts. It's just a lot of headache post-production if you don't pay attention and don't do uh, due diligence in the upfront in terms of quality and reliability. Of course, these yeah. are all these are all what we just talked about. It's all only internal failures. Well, let's talk about external failures. <laughs> so Adrian, I know you're familiar with external failures. This is very similar to someone buying something and it fails and you have to return it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, how much headache is that for the customer? You know, especially if you bought it you know, from long distance, now you have to get in your car again for another one hour drive back there and say, hey, this thing is not working. I turned it on. It didn't work. The thing is, these external failures are huge impact on the company because they don't just hurt the business and bottom line and their revenues, but, I, but they also hurt the overall brand name of the company. The oh, overall, yeah. yeah, the overall uh, quality level and standing in the marketplace, it is just not a good thing for the company overall. It only takes it only takes 
two minutes to leave a negative review online, but the damage that could cause is actually quite a lot. Absolutely. This is this is something that the most companies really need to pay attention because this is mm. where they can lose their bread and butter very easily, especially in today's world where everyone has uh, you know, a, a, a very important device called a mobile phone in their hand, and they can mm. uh, through online quickly check uh, with each other and review a product and call each other and say, hey, what do you think about this product? And all it takes is true word of mouth uh, to knock down a product. I worked for a company uh, way back that they didn't uh, build a product that meets the market demand. And there was such online revolt against this company that they actually almost went bankrupt. They had to lay off everybody, stop development. They Nobody wanted to buy their product. I can't make a mention of their name. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. they're still in business. But uh, it is amazing uh, nowadays the impact of a poor quality in the field can bankrupt a company if they really don't pay attention. So it's very important that they they at least make a product that exceeds warranty period so that they don't have to pay huge amount of warranty claims. Imagine you, you shipped 1 million product and 20% uh, returned and each product costs $500 and you have to actually spend $500 of your own money, either give a new product back for free within the warranty period, or you have to repair it. And sometimes mm. repairing and shipping and handling actually is more expensive than what you had priced the product. And then of course, mm. you know, when you have extent, uh, external failures and you have a major customer, they're going to be upset they're going to be, well, I want to come over there. I want to audit your facility. They're going to do customer visits. Their customers are going to have penalties based on the contract. Uh, they might be asking for uh, replacement or they may be having lawsuits and they, they might be all kinds of other uh, investigations from uh, legal or from customer side. But overall, the whole brand name will be tarnished just because of all these failures in the field. Hmm. So this is pretty easy now to understand how serious these can be. But believe it or not, Adrian, there's still a lot of times, uh, how many times you and I see new customers come to our facility, Our uh, they contact us and they say, well, you know, I made a mistake. I didn't have time or money to spend on uh, quality and reliability. And now we're having a huge failures. We don't know how to figure out to control, how to control it. Uh, and mm. and this, is, this is a big dilemma uh, for majority of, uh, you know, customers that are new at this. Uh, they're entrepreneurs. They... They are typically just trying to start up with a small, brand new, great product that they have in mind, but they are not very much experienced in quality testing and reliability. And of course, we have 
always recommended that you know they need to do more reliability testing and make sure the reliability test plans and test cases pertain to the worst case scenario and use case scenario in their product so that they can find the issues during the development and fix it. And that won't be seen again in the field. And of course, they will say something like, well, how much? Oh, no, that, that test I can't do. That's too much. And that's mm -hmm. when we say, pay me now or pay me later. Because mm -hmm. you don't pay me now to fix this and come up with a better reliability test plan, then you're not going to find those issues. And therefore, you're going to pay me later how to put a Band-Aid on your returns and your issues mm. that you're seeing in the field. So in a nutshell, that's what this, uh, this is all about, making sure that you take care of it upfront and then you will not see those issues in the field again. I mean, you mm. and I have discussed some of the uh, really serious uh catastrophic failures we have seen. We have discussed and talked about it here before. Uh, some mm -hmm. of which I can just mention, you know, the Samsung Note 7, you know, just one battery uh, explosion caused the mayhem in the industry. People could, could not or will be were being rejected uh, getting on the airplane because they had Samsung. I mean, they literally were asking you, can we see your phone, your telephone? If it's Samsung, I'm sorry, you cannot get on board. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, what happened with the Boeing 3337? What was that? 737 uh, Max. I mm -hmm. mean, so many people died. And recently I, I heard that uh, even after billions of dollars of loss, they're still paying lawsuits and legal fees. Um, and I'm sure you can come up with even more examples of cost of poor quality in mm. this industry. And I think that what our readers or listeners need to know is that it is critical and very important that they do proper design, optimum reliability testing, follow all quality and industry standards in inspection and uh, manufacturing guidelines, making sure that you follow good manufacturing practices, how to your improve your yield, best-in-class mm. policies. And then by doing all this, hopefully you won't have to deal with pay me later. Right, and and there is a cost involved for all of those things that you've mentioned. Those are the those are going to be the costs of good quality, right? And exactly. maybe the maybe the cost isn't even insignificant. It it could be quite a lot of money, but and and I suppose some of the companies that struggle with this sort of thing are perhaps you know startups or smaller businesses, and they see these costs and think, whoa, that's expensive. But the message from you here is, okay. Maybe that maybe that is the case, but it's going to be a heck of a lot less expensive than the costs of poor quality that are going to come about if you don't follow those. Absolutely. You said it best. 
And I think that uh, overall, every company or small-time entrepreneur who's thinking about developing and producing a product, don't discount the power of quality inspection and reliability testing mm. at the minimum. Yep. Excellent. Thank you. And thanks for having me. Thanks again for listening to this podcast brought to you by the Sophie's Group. We're on a mission to provide you with everything you need to manufacture effectively in Asia, including inspections, auditing, new product development support, contract manufacturing, 3PL warehousing and fulfillment, and much, much more across Asia's key manufacturing areas. Visit us at sofeast.com, that's S-O-F-E-A-S-T dot com, to learn more and get help. If you've enjoyed the podcast today, please do rate, review and share, because it will really help others discover us too.